0: I have to crawl over equipment just to get to where I'm getting to this morning. Good morning, (laughs) morning. (laughs) and happy New Year! Happy New Year! Year. Year. Yes, all right. How does this thing work? Okay, there we go. Well, let me just tell you about somebody amazing. When starting the the starting gun sounded at Mount Tabor High School track meet. And senior Kayla Montgomery from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, just took off. This 18-year-old runner set record. She won the state title. She even competed in the nationals in, in New York. But there's something very, very different about Kayla Montgomery. You see, when Kayla runs her legs go numb. She she has MS, a disease that causes nerve damage and interference in communication with, between her brain and her spinal cord and her legs. And when she was 14, she, she fell during a, a soccer game. And soon after that, Kayla said that she noticed a a lack of feeling in in her legs and it was just really weird and there was this tingling sensation that was happening in her spine and she told her her coach about this, Patrick Cromwell, and and she mentioned about the strange sensations that she had in in her legs and he first thought that it was just a normal strain of, of, of muscles but then Kayla told her coach that she was numb the entire day. So the doctor visits began, and after months and months of tests, you know anything about MS, you know that they take him through literally months of tests. Doctors finally diagnosed Kayla with MS. Now, she was mad about it internally. She'd go to her room. She'd cry. She was all depressed, but around other people, she seemed to be very calm about it. Her coach said, he says, I honestly just... Became sick to my stomach at first. He said, I I didn't know if she'd ever be on the team again. But you see, here's the remarkable thing about Kayla. Kayla was determined, even though she had MS, to keep on running. She said to her coach, she says, I want to run, and I want to run fast. And I don't want you to hold back. You see, this wasn't just about running fast. This was a journey in trying to keep Kayla one step ahead of NMS. Montgomery had become one of the country's fastest young distance runners. Uh, She ranked 21st in the nation after winning the North Carolina state title in the 3,200 meters. When the race first starts, she says, I feel everything. I, I can feel my legs moving, and I can feel the start of pain. And after reaching the first mile marker, she says, I start to lose most of the feelings in my legs. Because if you know anything about EMS, heat seems to make things worse. And so as she's running, the feeling in her legs is going away more and more. The momentum, she says, is, is kind of what keeps my legs moving. But once I stop, they just kind of fall off from underneath me. Coach Cromwell waits at the finish line, though, he waits. At every race, he's there at the finish line catching Kayla. With one lap to go, he says, I run across the track and just get ready just to catch her as she goes across the finish line. We, we catch her just to protect her. We don't want her to brace for a fall and break an arm or collarbone, or something like that. Today we're going to talk about a passage of Scripture that talks about falling. And this video that we just saw, to me, is a real picture of the loving Father, in this case a coach, our loving Lord, who catches us when we fall. I want you to look at this next scripture. It says, The steps of a good man, and this is what we're going to base the entire message today on. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Hmm. Since this is the final Sunday of 2017, I wanted to bring a message to you that would encourage us as we wrap one more year <laughs> and prepare to enter another year. And I, I, one particular word stands out in our in our in our text here, and in, at least in my mind, and it's the word "though." Though, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Some translations say when he falls. (laughs) Note that it doesn't say if he falls. See, there is a big difference between when he falls and if he falls. See, the latter states a probability. The former declares an absolute certainty. See, David understood that all believers and that's us we will eventually fall in some capacity. We stumble, we lose our way, we struggle, we sometimes trip and fall on the journey. No one is really exempt from that. We all, sooner or later, stumble in some way in our walk with Jesus. It's what happens when we fall that makes all the difference in the world. We can summarize the teaching of this text in two simple statements. Number one, God ordains every step that we take. God ordains every step that we take. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be happy times. There's going to be sad times. There's going to be positive times. There's going to be negative times. But God is there every step of the way. The verb ordered is very strong in the original Hebrew. It means to establish something so that it has a strong foundation. Proverbs uh, 16, 9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Same idea as this text. Most of us know that God directs our steps. Remember Proverbs 5 and, 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 and 6. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path or he will make your paths straight in some in some cases. It's the same idea. Directs, determines, orders, ordains our steps this includes going out and coming in or lying down getting up waking sleeping you know buying selling talking listening walking driving what what whatever because he is God there there's no accidents with God I hope we understand that today God is not over here you know taking care of the universe and then over, all of a sudden he looks over and goes oh my gosh Chuck is in trouble over here now I'm going to go over here no There are no accidents with him. Nothing ever happens to the child of God by luck or by chance or by fate. There is absolutely no circumstances, whether good or bad, that can come to us apart from God's overriding watch care over us. Understand that. All of us wonder What the new year is going to bring. What will happen in 2018? Will it be a good year? Will it be a bad year for us personally? I I can tell you this in some ways, it's going to be business as usual. It really will be. I mean, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have some victories, and you're going to have some defeats. You're going to be sick, and you're going to be healthy. Some of your prayers are going to be answered in a very affirmative way. Some of them maybe won't be answered at all. Some of your dreams will come true. Some of them will be dashed to the rocks of reality. Some of your plans will come to fruition. Others will remain undone. You'll discover that some of your friends will be there when you need them the most. And then there's other friends who will fail you when you need them the most as well. In many respects, life is going to be the same in 2018 as it was in 2017. We're going to all in this room have very similar challenges or ongoing challenges in our walk with Jesus. It may be different circumstances, but we all face ongoing challenges. But we know this, I know this, that my steps in the coming year are ordered by the Lord I don't I I'll be honest with you I don't totally get that I don't know how he does that how he makes things work totally I will find out maybe one day in heaven but he is I know in charge of my life the second thing that I want to bring to your attention is this God promises that when we fall, it says in the scriptures, that we will not be utterly destroyed. Some versions say, though he stumbles, he will not fall. Uh, picture yourself going through a, um, a forest or um, maybe up here in, in Tacoma at, uh, at, a, at a park somewhere. Oftentimes you're walking along the trail and you come across a a, a narrow part of the trail and there's roots that are sticking out or maybe there's a rock there that you didn't see and oftentimes you'll stumble on on a root or stumble on a rock and hopefully you don't fall down but it's very easy to happen when you're walking on a trail, isn't it? Some of you who have been hiking, you know this to be true. It's just a part of of going on a trail. But we all stumble in life in many ways. The word translated utterly destroyed means to be cast headlong into a deep pit. Now, I I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon or not, but if you you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and you look down 3,000 feet, if by some chance there would be a wind that would come by and knock you off the edge and you fell 3,000 feet, I can pretty much guarantee you that you're not going to get up and dust the dirt off your, you know, your clothing and keep on walking. I would say probably if you went headlong into the Grand Canyon and fell 3,000 feet, you'd probably be dead. I think you would be probably utterly destroyed at that moment. See, God promises that that is not going to happen to you and to me. Though we may face desperate, life-changing circumstances next year, God says that he is not going to allow us to be utterly destroyed. Now, we may feel like we're utterly destroyed. I'm not saying that. What we feel sometimes is different than what the reality is, isn't it? I have felt utterly destroyed in my life. I really have. But God says there's a deeper truth than your feelings. There's a deeper truth. And he says you will not be utterly destroyed. Take courage. That's encouraging to me. I hope it is to you. The reason is clear. He upholds us. How? With his mighty, almighty hand. Think of a father walking along with his young son by his side. I, I I have a son, Michael. He's 33 years old right now. But when he was little, I would walk alongside him, right? And he would hold my hand. Now, this little tiny hand, when he was maybe four or five years old... He doesn't, his hand is not big enough to hold my big hand. So as he's walking along, he'll grab, he would grab my little pinky or something. Or maybe my, my last two fingers here, he would just hold on to those. Now, if he was holding on to my big hand with his little hand, and he was just walking along, and he would trip and fall, guess why He would let go. So he would let go and fall. So, because I knew that, every parent alive does this. They take their big hand and they wrap it around the little hand, don't they? So that if he falls, which he probably will, uh, you're right there to catch him, right? See, that's how God is. He's holding on to our hand with his big hand so that if we fall, he catches us. You see, that's the picture that I want you to get. Note that the fall may be falling into trouble. Maybe it's a ca- calamity. Maybe it's a catastrophe in our life. Maybe we fall into some sort of moral sin. The fall might be occasioned by the loss of a job or a health problem or the breakup of a marriage or the end of a friendship or a bankruptcy uh, uh, or, or any sort of personal Crisis that we that we have, or it could be you know a series of foolish decisions maybe that you've made in your life that has sent you into the wrong direction, and you've hurt yourself, you've hurt other people in your life. Sometimes the fall of circumstances causes a fall into bitterness, substance abuse, or anger, rage, abusive speech, foolish decisions lust adultery other sins i mean there's all kinds of ways that we can fall see the bible repeatedly shows how easily this can happen to even the best of people it's so one thing one of the things that i love about the bible is the bible doesn't just tell us the truth it tells us the whole truth about human Nature. We see men and women who are faithful one day and fickle the next. I love that about the Bible because it's encouraging to me to know that there are the greatest heroes of the faith have blown it. We see Peter boasting and then he's busted. Okay? We see worship mixed with worry. We see courage followed by cowardice. We see faith matched with doubt. Generosity followed by greed. Kindness overcome by arrogance. We we, we learn that strong people, strong people, do very stupid things. Have you ever done anything stupid in your life? Ever. Ever. I'm going to pray for you because there's a few liars in this room. i tell you right now. <laughs> See, here, here's the thing. Saints often act like sinners. Okay? Noah builds this ark for his family, and what a great man of faith. And then when the flood was over, what did he do? He got drunk. By, by faith, Abraham left... Uh, His family follows God into the promised land. When he gets there, you know what he does? He lies about his wife and calls her his sister. Not once, but twice. Moses leads the children out of Israel, out of slavery, crosses the Red Sea. What a great moment. Moses is great, right? But he kills an Egyptian man. David, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But then he turns around and commits adultery with Bathsheba and, and, and has her husband killed, murdered in a vain attempt to cover up his own sin. And then there's Peter that I just spoke of, the man with foot-in-mouth disease. On one hand, he has the courage to declare Jesus. We call this the good confession. We, we have somebody say this right before they're baptized. You are the what? The, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, Jesus was so pleased with that comment. He says, you're Peter. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Man, what a great man of faith, right? How little Peter knows himself. In the upper room, he boastfully declares that even if everybody else falls away, he's not going to fall away. Oh no. But that bold apostle turns into butter when this teenage girl at a campfire says, hey, I think I saw you with Jesus. No, oh, no, 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 you didn't see me with Jesus. He denies Jesus three times, and he starts swearing like a fisherman. <laughs> well, he was a fisherman, but you know. <laughs> and and he, like I said, he denies the Lord three times. See, I love that the Bible tells the whole story. Because if it didn't tell the whole story, we would be discouraged by the fact that there was no way that we could keep up with great men like that. Or great women like that. No, it tells the whole story because there's some redemption going on here. There's some redemption. You know, these stories that are in the Bible are are there to instruct us, but they're also there to encourage us. They teach us that even the best of people under pressure and under the right circumstances can do very foolish things. No one, no one is beyond the reach of temptation. Very godly people can make some very wrong choices in their life. And they can suffer. And their families can suffer greatly. And and cause others to... To suffer right along with him. It's good that the Bible shows this to us, or we would be tempted to deny the reality. We like to think, I'm beyond temptation. I've grown in my Christian faith to where I'm beyond temptation. I'm a walking godly person. Never ever say that because you don't know what you're beyond. Given the right set of circumstances, you may blow it this afternoon. See, today's victory may actually set you up for tomorrow's defeat. You see, Satan roams around like, uh, he roams the world like a mighty lion looking for overconfident Christians that he can devour. Okay, I've taken a little bit of license with scripture there. Okay. But, But seriously... Satan does roam around like a lion seeking whom he may devour, right? Here are two other verses that we should consider. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But the wicked are brought down by calamity. Folks, we can fall again and again and again. Trouble may come again and again. We may struggle again and again and again and again. But the Lord's purpose that we should rise again, that we should not utterly be destroyed again and again and again. Look at this. It says that the Lord upholds all those who fall. And lifts up all who are bowed down. Folks, we need to believe this. We need to believe this. This this can be a crisis of our own belief when we fall. Is the Lord going to do what he says he's going to do? Is he going to lift me up? I want to share with you four practical applications of this truth. Number one, every detail of our life is under God's control. Intellectually, we know that this is true. If God is God, then he must know about all the things that happen to us. And in some sense, we really can't fully understand that, can we? That all things include the best and the worst of life that come our way. It's all under his control. As I've said to you before, what is over our head is still under God's feet you see what I'm saying what is over our head is still under God's feet um, you know someone once asked you know what about our sins are they ordered by the Lord <laughs> we had to think, think carefully about answering that question don't we God's never folks get, get this God is never, ever the author or the instigator of sin. Ever. He does not sin, and he does not tempt anybody to sin. Sin is always, always, always our responsibility. Always. But that does not fully answer the question. If our sin can somehow exist independently, think about this. If I'm over here sinning and I'm sinning independently of God, that means God doesn't know everything. If I'm over here in some little vacuum over here sinning in some way and God is not knowing what I'm doing, then that means that God doesn't know everything. That I can somehow get away with something over here. And God doesn't know about it. Nothing happens out of the knowledge of God. Now does he allow me to go ahead and sin? Yes. He, he does allow me to do that. He allows me to have free will in my life. And so I do that. But does He is, is he somehow blinded by that? No. So. We might ask the question, is God sovereign over everything? And the answer is yes. When you come all the way to the bottom line, the answer goes something like this. God reigns over all parts of the universe all the time, and he does it in such a way that all things fit ultimately into his eternal plan. I don't know how he does that, but he does. This even includes the the reality of of sin itself for reasons that we only partly understand. God allows us to sin. He allows us to have our free will. Otherwise, he wouldn't be loving us if he forced us to be doing things, to force us to be uh, 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 serving him all the time like some robot. The greatest act of love that he showers upon us is Giving us the free will to serve him or not serve him. Otherwise, we would, like I said, we would be robots. But, but, in his sovereignty, he displays his glory through the grace that would be shown in redeeming sinners through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. When we sin, we are the ones who remain fully accountable for the wrong choices that we make, the negative consequences that we face. That is our fault. But if God did not allow it to happen, it would not happen. Thus, in the broadest sense of of this, this concept of God's sovereignty in our life, even our sin cannot take place apart from God's Watch over us. Is there a mystery there? Absolutely there's a mystery there. It's a mystery that's so enormous that we will spend eternity learning more about what that means. And marveling at the riches of his grace and the wisdom ultimately of his plan. Does it make us uncomfortable to talk about this? Yeah, it makes me uncomfortable right now talking about this. But folks, if this is not true, then God is not truly God at all. And we are, of all people, miserable. We rejoice to serve a God whose ways are far beyond our limited minds to understand. There's, a, and there's an important application here, folks, to be made. Since every detail of our life comes under God's watch care, We can remain confident and peaceful even when life itself seems to spin out of control. Again, what's out of control in my life is not out of control in God's life. Not out of control in God's life. Another point. God takes pleasure in our struggle to walk in holiness. He takes pleasure in our struggle to be holy. (laughs) The last part of verse 23 says that he delights in his way. He delights in his way. The he delights refers to God. His refers to me. It refers to you. He delights in his. He delights in your way you know a father and and a daughter or a mother and a daughter a little baby daughter maybe a year old learning to walk for the the very first time and 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 the parents are just saying come on come on come on come on and they take those first steps and then they fall (laughs) And then they take another few steps, and then they fall. You know one day this little girl pulls her, pulls up hands-free, wobbles for a moment, tries to stay, take a step. You know, the father doesn't the father doesn't, or the mother doesn't spank them or whatever, when they fall down. It's a part of the learning process of walking, is to to fall. Good parents know that falling is a necessary part of learning how to walk. If you never fall, you never learn how to walk. Parents do their children no favors by being protective, so protective of their children to never, ever let them fall. Better a child should fall a hundred times and never learn how to walk. Falling is not fun for the child. Falling is not fun. It's not that the father enjoys seeing his little girl fall and shed tears each time, but he rejoices to see her growing and straining toward learning something new. And this applies directly to the falls that we take in our our life. Our struggles are necessary even though they are not pleasant or easy to endure. Sometimes we bring trouble on ourselves by the foolish choices that we make. Sometimes we end up hurting ourselves or those around us. Marriages might end or friendships are broken or churches split or our children suffer and the cause of Christ is, is hurt By the things that we say and the things that we do. Sin is very serious business, folks. And we never sin without hurting ourselves and those people that are around us. Now, I don't mean to suggest that God takes pleasure in our sin. That's not what I'm saying at all. But when we sin, we sometimes wrongly conclude that God must hate me now. God doesn't want to have anything to do with me now because I have sinned. And in our despair, we want to just hide in the closet and, and, and never come out thinking that God doesn't want to have anything to do with us. The answer is that God loves his children with an everlasting love. Everlasting love. Everlasting love. I think of the prodigal son who, who went away and sinned. He walked away from his father. But when he came back from the far country, I love that scene because his father runs out to meet him in the road and throws his arms around him. And that is exactly what kind of God that we, we serve. When your children disobey and you punish them, do you hate them or do you love them? you love them. You punish them because you love them, because your heart is broken over their disobedience. The same is true a million times over with our heavenly father. The things that we suffer because of our disobedience proves that God still loves us no matter what. And he waits anxiously for us. One other point that we will move on. God permits us to fall when he could stop it. He could stop it. If he permits it, then what he permits must ultimately, he must see down the road could be for our spiritual benefit. Not the fall itself, but what we eventually learn from that fall. God allows us to suffer when he could stop it. Not the suffering itself is good, but often the pathway to enormous blessings in our life. Another point I want to share with you is that God's design is that our trials will not destroy us. Though we may stumble or fall temporarily, we will not be utterly destroyed. He knows the way that I take when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. When you're in the furnace, it's hard to believe that any good could come out of being in a fiery trial. But God says, wait for a while and you will see pure gold, pure gold. (laughs) Think about all the great men of faith, Joseph or or Jonah. You know, how God redeemed those people in in so many wonderful ways. It wasn't even funny. Consider what Jesus said to Peter in the upper room on the night before he was crucified. He said this. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You think Jesus knew that he was going to go out and sin? Absolutely He knew, and yet he believed in Peter more than Peter believed in Peter. He saw beyond the facade of his flesh and looked directly into his heart. That heart, that spirit that he created, and he knew, he knew that Peter would come back. And when he did, he was to strengthen his other brothers and and sisters in the Lord. He knew about the boasting. He knew about the swearing, the, the shame, the bitter tears. He also knew about the restoration. He knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. And you know what? He knows you better than you know yourself. And he has not given up on you. He has not. We will not ultimately fall because God will catch us. (laughs) I love that. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Remember the video? That's the picture I want you to see when you fall is a loving father catching you for the Lord upholds him with his hand though he stumble and fall a thousand times God loves God's love is firm because his purposes are eternal our salvation rests not necessarily on our performance but on God's unchanging character It's interesting Martin Luther said that it takes 3 things to make a man of God You know what they are Meditation prayer and temptation See, we're fine with the first two because we know that we need to read the Bible and pray. But most of us would not add temptation to that list, would we? But Luther meant that godly character can only be developed in the crucible of life where we fight the many battles of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The temptation to quit or to despair or to give in to bitterness or to flee struggles or to yield to lust or to give in to greed, to indulge ourselves, to walk in pride. These things, these things could destroy us or they could make us stronger. Prayer and Bible reading alone, according to this prescription, don't make us godly. We need the struggles of life. To make us strong. Folks we don't pretend that our trials never happen. So that Christians never suffer. We suffer just like everybody else. In this sin cursed planet that we live on. Nor is it good when we fall into sin. Just ask any Christian who has ever fallen. In in any kind of moral way. They'll tell you what happened. (laughs) Sin is only a delight for a season. And you know what? Let me tell you something. Satan's apples have worms. Satan's apples have worms. But there's an important truth in our passage that we need to understand. God is at work in our trials. He's at work in our falls. In such a way that we have never ever imagined. He's working in ways that we've never even known. He's working in ways that we never saw at the time of our struggle. Nothing, listen folks, nothing is wasted on God. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And what is His purpose? It's in verse 29 of Romans 8. To conform to the image of, Of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. And he takes every single one of your circumstances in life. Even your falls. And he will work it somehow through his grace. And his mercy. And his amazing power. To take even the worst of situations. And turn them into situations that will mold you more into the likeness of Jesus. How does he do it? I don't know. But let's sum up the application in this way. Your struggles are necessary, so fight on. Your father has not forgotten you, so hang on. And your future is assured, so walk on. Walk on. (laughs) Fight on, hang on, walk on in 2018. So I close with this thought. God will not ...put you in an unbearable situation in 2018. Again, we may feel that it's unbearable, but it's not unbearable. He may allow you to go through a situation that seems unbearable... ...so that you will turn to Him. Remember that God does not give His strength. Oftentimes, He does not give His strength in advance. He only gives His strength at the time that it is needed... Each day this year, you will have what you need. Let me say that again. Every day this year, you will have what you need. We may therefore go forth into this new year with confidence and hope and joy. So be encouraged, child of God. The future rests in the hands of a loving Lord who loves you more than you could ever ask or imagine. You may stumble next year, but you will not be destroyed. This is what God promises you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing, amazing power to take the falls that we have in life and somehow catch us and use them to mold us into the character. Of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you are able to do that. And we just fall into your hands this morning. We fall into your arms today, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you to save us, we need you to uphold us with your mighty hand. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.